Hello and welcome to the Brave Marketing Podcast with your host Swapna Thomas. This is the podcast for the renegades, the trailblazing leaders and the change makers who don't just have a business, it's your calling. Those of you who want to make a difference and make money but all on your own terms. I'm on a mission to show as many life coaches as possible how you can have more income, more impact and infinitely more fun by being unapologetically and bravely you and breaking all the rules. I have created five figure months with no paid ads, a tiny list and zero complicated sales funnels. Simplifying marketing and teaching you how to use it for good in the world is my zone of genius. With this podcast, I'm here to share weekly episodes on the soul and the strategy of marketing, mindset, money and everything online business. Let's dive into today's episode. Welcome to a brand new episode of Brave Marketing and I'm always excited about my guests but today I'm a little bit more excited because I'm speaking to someone whose work has really not just inspired me but it makes me really excited because of everything that she shows in her marketing and the way she stands up for her message. I'm a big believer in standing up for your message and she literally embodies that every single day in her marketing, in the way she shows up. You're going to love her. So definitely listen to this entire episode till the end. We are going to delve into some incredible topics and you're going to walk away with a lot. So I am so happy to welcome Christina Kwan. She's a former suicidal depressive who helps high-functioning people to get rid of their depression forever. After three attempts, two hospitalizations, and many years of relentless experimentation, she figured out the formula to feeling good enough and erase depression from her life forever. After saying goodbye to her corporate career in 2019, she began a lifelong commitment to changing our world's conversation around mental health and specifically how we talk about those who are working on improving it. It is possible to make a full recovery from the hopelessness that drags people down for entire lifetimes, and she's the living proof. And she's on a mission to help as many people discover the same freedom for themselves. Welcome, Christina. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much, Swapna. That was um, was such a great introduction. Thank you. (laughs) I ask all my guests, like, what's the bravest thing that you have done? And you mentioned that coming out into the coaching arena as someone who coaches on depression was super brave. And you're grateful to your 2020 self who was so afraid of the judgment of the challenges of everything. And you still decided to do it anyway. And on your website, I saw this line, which is so amazing. And it says that being badass doesn't mean you don't feel anything. It means you're not afraid to feel everything, which is exactly what I say about being brave. It's not about being fearless, but it's about feeling all the fear and still taking the messy, imperfect actions, right? So from being depressed and suicidal to becoming a depression coach, must have taken feeling everything and feeling the fear and doing it anyway. So please give us a glimpse of that journey, what that looked like for you. Yeah, no, I think, thank you so much for asking this question. Like I, when I think about, you know, my journey into coaching 
presenting myself as a depression coach, you know, and we're on the Brave Marketing podcast, it's very fitting because at the time, I will say when I made the announcement, it was sort of this like coming out. Like I, I realized that all I wanted to talk about was depression and that it is possible to make a full recovery because I was discovering that I wasn't experiencing the same level of hope, hopelessness or the same level of disparagement of myself for a while at that point. And so I would say, you know, I set out not knowing that I had, quote unquote, cured myself of, of depression. I set out knowing that I was on to something. And that was really scary because, you know, we live in a world that really values proof, really values whether that's social proof or scientific proof, all of that. So it was very scary to think about, you know, I'm going to step out into the world saying these words that, you know, on on some level, the world has has issue with, right? As you said, like part of being able to do something that feels audacious, that feels like, like you said, that you're completely fearless. The bravery comes from knowing that you're going to feel all sorts of things, mostly negative, (laughs) before you step out into the world presenting the thing that you most believe in. So that was really a big part of the journey to announcing myself as a depression coach in the world. And I want to offer as well, part of what made that possible, though, like my own relationship with feelings, generally speaking, definitely have to have to do with my experience with depression. So one of the things that I say to my my clients is like, it can be daunting because the feelings that people with depression experience are excruciating. Like we're talking about on a daily minute, second by second basis, like the it's ever present. Like I want you to think about your worst moment of humiliation and then having that just like loop all day, every day for your entire life experience. That's basically what someone with depression experiences. And for for them to believe that it could be any different than that is actually a really big leap. So one of the things that I say to them is like, you've already experienced the very worst of all of the feelings that you can have in the world. So like humiliation, embarrassment, shame, all of those things. And even though, yes, it is not, you know, being able to bear those feelings doesn't make it okay. It doesn't make it any easier. But the fact that you are able to, that you have that experience is exactly the thing that gives you the ability to, to, you know, do the brave thing, feeling all of those things and daring to live a life that other people say that you can't. Yeah. And I think that's the whole journey of being a change maker, right? Having experienced that change, you cannot not talk about it. You cannot just keep that to yourself and feel like, yeah, I've I've got this result or this transformation. That's enough for me. You do feel like if I can make one person's life feel better than they have been feeling till today. And especially when it comes to something like depression, which is like you said, it's literally paralyzing in many ways, right? It paralyzes you emotionally, physically, financially. And to just give them that sort of like this, literally give them that hand that, you know, let's come out of this. We can do this. I think 
that's amazing but also i know it must have been very scary because this is a, a space where there is so much of noise about what's possible what's what should be done and you know you should do it this certain way and no other way is acceptable so for you to really take that flag on and plant your flag there and say no i'm doing it this way and i think that's why you are the professional badass because you literally do it the most badass way and um yeah i love it so much that you've taken this mantle on and you're literally changing people's lives and not just you know small changes they you are literally turning their life around for them and showing them hope where they never felt any so i was just looking at some stats before you know as i was prepping for our call today and i saw that who says according to a 2021 stat that 280 million people in the world are depressed and i think it would be much more than that because i we know how stats work we don't have that kind of penetration everywhere and almost 700000 people die by suicide every single year so obviously we have all seen that mental health is a common topic of discussion in all kinds of panels and media and yet other than therapy and pills there is very little support for someone who is depressed so how is it how is it that what you do feels very different from therapy and also how does someone know that they need to work with you and not just another therapist yeah so i think the first point or the thing to for us to understand is that the statistics are based on some agreed upon definitions about what depression is so i agree with you like the there's probably you know numbers that are not captured but i also feel that on on some level the numbers can be overinflated because because like if you look at there's something called the i don't know the full name it's the dsm it's this like you know huge book of like all of the diagnoses that exist in the mental health world and depression is defined as like feelings of hopelessness or lack of enjoyment you know losing loss of interest in you know in typically enjoyable activities for a consistent 2 weeks like that is the the official definition if you feel you know sad or unmotivated demotivated for 2 weeks then you're depressed and when i understood that to be the definition like which by the way i didn't know like until many years after therapy but now seeing it i i have to chuckle because who in in the world hasn't experienced a two week period in their life where they just felt like everything was just shit <laughs> everything's not working nothing is happening like i'm living in this like you know groundhog day everything's just repeating in in itself So that's one thing I guess to keep in mind about the statistics and and thinking about whether or not for example if anyone listening to this falls into that category right like one of the things that I tell my clients is you know a big reason why there are so many depressed people is because they ask themselves does this mean I'm depressed and you think about like the foundation for questions the reason why we ask questions is because we're trying to solve something we're trying to find the 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 answer to something and so the problem is embedded in the question if you ask yourself am i depressed maybe i'm depressed i think i'm depressed maybe i should look into whether or not i'm depressed 
then you will find yourself fitting into all of these labels and categories around being depressed. And then, you know, two weeks go by, you, you fit the category and now you've basically stepped into this reality where potentially you have no way out. But to answer your question about like what makes my work different from therapy, it, it has to do with that. I question a lot of the basis we have for the conversation, because if you think about like how we talk about people with depression, right, even though maybe on a personal basis, we don't necessarily believe that someone with depression is inherently bad or wrong or has something broken about them. Like systemically, from a global perspective, we don't talk about people with depression like we talk about people with cancer or some other kind of terminal disease. But it's literally the same thing. I mean, I could go on a whole philosophical thing about this, so I will just stop there. But basically, the difference between myself and someone who, you know, is a therapist or works in sort of the established mental health channels is that number one, I've had the personal experience. I can't tell you how many therapists I've had that like they've worked with a lot of depressed people. This is true. Like I think it, especially if you work with someone who has been in, in, has been doing their work for, you know, decades, they can recognize the symptoms. They know what it's like. They can have that conversation and not be put off by it. But most therapists don't have the personal experience. Part of the the definition of depression that's built into the way we talk about it is, is, like I said, once you have it, you can't get rid of it. So because I have a history of depression, there's this sort of expectation that, well, you know, Christina, you can't really say that it's gone forever because you've had it. And so it could come back. And that's the other thing that gets people into trouble is that societally, we have accepted that depression comes back. And that, I guess, would be the number two reason why I'm different. I just, it might sound flippant, but I refuse to accept that as the narrative. Because part of what kept me depressed for so long is the story that it cannot, there is no cure, there's no ability to recover. Some clients who have worked with me, you know, in the beginning of my coaching career, I was not a depression coach. So some clients who have worked with me in the beginning, when they found out I came out as a depression coach in 2020, when they found out that I had this history, said to me like, wow, I did not know, first of all. And then in working with me, I forget that that was your experience because I don't present as somebody who has ever been depressed before. Why is that? Because I truly believe and feel and have the experience of someone who has a different life after depression. I mean, and it was hard. Like it took me over 10 years. I think I, before, around the turning point, you know, this was before I became a coach. It had already been 12 something years in therapy. And I'm saying I was depressed starting at the age of 14. Right. So it took a while for this like attitude of mine to really kick in. But that is what I attribute to the shift is that I started to look at and question whether or not it had to be true. Does it have to be true? There are a lot of different things that kind of contributed to it, but that is the number one thing. If you are just done, you know, believing 
what everyone else is saying about you. Like you have depression. So, so sad for you. I guess you're going to be on medication for the rest of your life and in therapy and everyone's just going to feel sorry for you for the rest of your life. If you're done with that, you're just like, no, there has to be another way. And I also being depressed really sucks and it's hard. I need the support of someone who's been there. That's what's going to make it it, like the perfect, perfect union for us to work together. I love that clarity that you just know who is the right person to call into your world. But also I, I'm really impressed by the fact, the way you are challenging the status quo. And I think that is how real change begins, right? When if we keep accepting the mainstream narrative of everything that we are told, and especially when it has the label of science on it, right? It's so easy for us to never question it. But when I look at a lot of things that have been made mainstream, especially when it comes to our food, for a long time, we were told in India, because I have that cultural sort of context as well, we were told that ghee is bad for your health. It causes cholesterol or, and then coconut oil is bad for your health. And that's what we have all been eating forever. And now they have more data coming in and they say, no, it's good for your health. It's actually the best thing for your health, right? So taking everything as a fact and never challenging it and just going with the same narrative and saying, yeah, I'm depressed. So then I am just uh, destined for this life of popping pills and going into therapy and never, ever questioning that. I think that's not what anyone would want for themselves. So because this is a marketing podcast and I am quite obsessed with marketing. And one of the reasons I love having guests like you who are not business coaches and who have a very fresh take on marketing because you are working with people who are all not running businesses and might some of them might be having their own businesses, but that's not your focus. So you have a very refreshing take on marketing. And I love sharing that with my community. So I want to talk about what marketing something like depression takes, because there is an inherent baggage that comes with that, right? And there are many topics like um, depression that feel hard to market. So for anyone who who is working with a field which feels kind of like taboo or kind of feels very heavy to talk about, what kind of inner work has it taken for you to become so bold in your messaging and also talk about even heavy stuff like suicide ideation and sharing your own story and being so vulnerable about it? And do you ever get any pushback? And if you do, how do you deal with that? I know that's like a long question and I'll keep reminding you if you need to, the parts of it. Okay, so what was the inner work that was involved? Oh my gosh. I mean, first of all, for for me to be a suicide survivor, like there was all of this like work that had to be done before I could even get to the point where I felt strong enough to be able to, like you said, plant my flag and say, this is what I'm going to do. But let's just say we'll start we'll start there from the moment I came out into the world as a depression coach, like because that's not where it stopped. Right. Like I might have felt brave enough to say to the world, this is what I'm going to do. But it was still really scary for at least a year of doing that. And I waffled a lot. There was a lot of like, uh, do I really want to do this? <laughs> like, it's really hard and it's scary, especially because to do this means that very often I feel alone. Like very often I feel like I'm the only one that's speaking against the grain or going against the grain. And, you know, a lot of the times it's especially because, you know, I don't have a huge audience and 
I'm not a high profile person. I'm not getting a whole lot of attention. Sometimes it's easier just to think like, uh, you know, <laughs> I can just erase everything that's online and pretend that this was just, you know, a bad idea. But the inner work that was required came back to like my own conviction. Like, is this something that, first of all, I want to do? I think this is the the important part. It's like the desire has to be there. It's not, it's not just that it's a good idea. Like a lot of people have said to me, in the past, like, oh, you're gonna, you're gonna be so successful, Christina, because you know, we need something like this. But it's not as easy as all that. Like, we have a lot of hang-ups or a lot of stigma around this particular topic. So I find that in order for me to feel secure enough to have the conversation, it has to be that I believe in the mission first and foremost. I believe that it's worth it. I'm willing <laughs> for it to just go crash and burn as well, I think is a really important part of it. For you as a, as a business owner doing any kind of marketing, it, it's really important for you to believe in your product, like first and foremost. And so for me, I had to believe from the outset that I could help someone get rid of depression forever first. And this is, you know, I think I had been, I'd been in business for about a year and a half when I made the decision to kind of pivot and change my niche. And so I didn't really have a use case. Like I, I was working with clients who had depression and I was seeing results for them, but I had not gotten to a point yet where I felt confident enough to say, I could help you get rid of depression forever. So it was, it was an evolution in believing in the thing that I am marketing. So I feel like that is the most important ingredient. Yeah. Can I just like segue into that a little bit as well? Because that was going to be my next question, which was, I saw this phrase on your website, like get rid of depression forever, really, like really highlighting that. And by the way, I have a full crush on your website, the visuals, the copy, it's all so good. Uh, literally amazing. It's chef's kiss. Thank you. Um, I feel this is something that most coaches struggle with. They underplay their results. And making this kind of statement in your copy, it for me, it shows the kind of belief that you have on your process, but also yourself, right? And I'm sure there's lots of nuance to that. It's not as simple as like, I just built belief on me. But how does someone cultivate this level of belief in their work, uh, which is, I think, it, it's going to be helpful for anyone, not just someone who's marketing a heavy topic, but I think for any kind of coach, that is something they would love to learn about. Oh, absolutely. When you are about to do something really scary, you want to do it and you go and do it. Like, okay, so let's, for example, like there's somebody that you really want to talk to. You're attracted to them. You want to, you know, build a connection, but they don't have any idea who you are. And that's not the sort of thing that you do, right? And so you feel like, ooh, I really want to talk to this person but I'm scared and I'm, I don't know, I'm going to make a fool out of myself. And you do it anyway, right? Like you go and approach that person and it's a total disaster. Like you fumble over your words, your tongue gets stuck in your throat. You have no idea what to say. And you're just, it's super awkward. Right. And then you kind of like, uh, okay, bye and run away. That's, I think how I would describe the growth I've experienced in being able to get to the point where I say, get rid of depression forever on my website. 
It was a lot of like, I want to say this. It is, it feels uncomfortable and scary and I'm going to be cut out. Like I have a lot of concern around offending people around not saying it right. Or, you know, just, or saying the wrong thing, really the growth for me to get to the point where I can say boldly things like that, like take care of the part of me that feels ridiculous and dumb for having attempted, right. The repair that I need to inside of me, right. Making sure that like one of the concepts that I, that I teach in my program is about self-partnership. So there, there's this sort of like habit that we all have. Not, it's regardless of whether or not you've experienced depression. We all have this habit of like dogging on our past selves. And the, what I mean by that is like, we'll say something like, you know, we'll have done something and then some measure of time passes. Like, let's say it's an hour or a day or even like years. And we are in our minds thinking about that past experience and saying, oh, why did I do that? Why was I so dumb? Why did, why did I, you know, say that? Or why didn't I say that or whatever? And we have this habit of just like completely bashing on this version of ourselves in, in the past that showed up the way that we did. And so for me, when it comes to like coming to a point where you feel like you did the brave thing by saying the thing that meant something to you, and then you, you are you know, feel, feel dumb. You feel unsure, uncertain, like you were motivated by the fire and then you woke up and you're like, oh, what did I just do? Right. It is a process of repair. It, it's a process of partnership. Like you can't say about yourself that dared to say the thing you were dumb for saying, for saying the thing, because that version of you in that moment felt conviction, felt strongly about needing to say this, needing to share this. And then for you, like later on to say that you were dumb for doing it, that's just basically the the common term is that's beating yourself up. But the concept of like partnership is the thing that really helps me in terms of being able to do that repair, being able to feel strong enough again to do it again. Because that's actually the process of any skill that you build, including feeling brave enough to say the thing that you want to say to the point where you are so bold as to make a bold claim, like I can help you get rid of depression forever. Yeah. So what I'm hearing you say is that when you keep waiting for the confidence to be there, to take the action that you really want to take, you, you're going to wait a long time. So instead the approach that you're going to take is to do the action and hide or whatever just com comfort yourself work with your nervous system be in self-partnership remind yourself why did I take that action in the first place why is it worth it and then in that sort of self-dialogue you sort of come to this place where you know okay I am feeling more confident now and to remind yourself that action is how I gain more and more confidence to be the version of the, be the person that I want to be and I think that's something everyone needs to hear and especially if they are in business and especially if they're putting themselves out there and their story um to come back to my previous question do you ever get any pushback to your message and how do you deal with that in the present moment i hear much less 
like pushback or objection or people getting mad at me for the things that I say. And I think that's only because if the person who objects or is offended or mad about the message that I have to share now, they're probably not going to say anything to me because it's just been consistent. I've, I've been saying it for a while now. I'm very upfront about it. I'm kind of in your face. And, and the thing is that I've also learned a lot in the last couple of years about how to talk about it in a way that I'm not necessarily trying to make anyone's feelings feel better, except for the folks that I'm trying to help. Yeah. So in the, in the beginning, um, I remember, so I remember posting this thing. It was, it was like a carousel. And I, I think, I don't even know. I don't remember if I opened or, or I closed with fuck reality, be delusional. But basically I was, my message was depression can be overcome and quickly. And I wanted that to be a thing. Right. And I remember almost immediately And I think this is going to happen to anyone, like a friend of mine who was connected to me on Facebook, like I hadn't really talked to her in a while, but she felt compelled to reach out to me and tell me that what I was saying is dangerous. And it's moments like that, that really taught me to, and and helped me to understand what is my, what is my goal, first of all, and what is it going to require of me to reach that goal? The conclusion to that conversation was, And this is somebody who has not, I wouldn't say she's never experienced depression before, but she's, she probably hasn't experienced it to the point of suicidality. And, and that's just when I realized that everything that I had feared about sharing came true. (laughs) So whether or not I share the message, that would be the reality. Like I would always feel, if I didn't say anything, I would always feel someone's going to be mad at me someone's going to say that I'm putting people in danger by telling them, by the way, that they can get rid of depression forever, which I find hilarious now, right? (laughs) So often I do get pushback from the very people that I aim to, to help, right? And that's part of the reason why I am so bold and, and kind of out there with my message, because in my view, I've got to speak louder than the rest of the world and then the rest of, than their own internal thinking. I've got to speak louder than the voice that tells them there is no way. And that's part of the reason why in some ways I don't care anymore who I offend because the only goal I have is to is to access the part of the person who's experiencing depression who the part of them that does not want to be depressed anymore. That's my only goal. I'm I'm literally blown away by all of this. This is so good. And this is exactly what anyone who's working with any kind of topic, whether it is health, marriage, or even business, like they need to know, like, these are the questions that you need to ask yourself when you are starting out and that kind, that level of inner work, why is this worth it? Do, I do have the conviction in my own message to make people mad and get really, really loud so that those who really need it and those who are ready for it can hear me. Right? And that that is the point I really want to kind of highlight is that, of course, even within the kind of people that you want to work with, there will be people who are just not ready for your message. And they will feel like, what are you talking about? Why are you talking about these things? These trigger me. I don't think you should be talking about these things. But then there will be those people who feel like you're the lighthouse that they have been waiting for, like the, in this 
you know, this complete fog, you are the beacon that they have been looking for. And they will be like, yeah, this is exactly what I want. So coming to that, like, this is my last question that I want to ask about this. Um, your clients sometimes might not be actively looking for a depression coach, right? That's not something that is normally talked about. So how do you, in terms of strategy, get in front of people who need your help and make sure that something like this is available? So making them solution aware and product aware, um, How how what's like your sort of go-to strategies for that? Let's see if I understand your question, right? Like, do you mind asking me again, the first part that you asked me? Yeah, because depression coach is not something, you know, we are actively, someone is not writing that in Google, right? <laughs> Where can I find a depression coach? So how do you make sure that you get in front of the people who need you and also make sure that there is something like this available out there? Because they are problem aware, like you said, they know that they're done with feeling like this. But they might not know that there is something like this out there that can actually help them feel the way they want to feel. So is there, are there any sort of strategies that you have tried and have worked really well for you? So if so, I would love to hear about them. Yeah. So right now, like what immediately comes to mind is there's so much more I can do. Like I, I am very aware of that, but I'm also limited by I'm a, I'm a one woman show, <laughs> you know, like in, in some ways, my journey is a, a bit. I'd say slower than your usual coach, just because what I'm also trying to do is change the way we talk about people with depression. Like it would be easy for me, let's say, to just not talk about depression altogether. And I only focus on speaking about like insecurity and confidence and then embed within it things that people with depression might experience. I have considered that, right? Like instead of attacking it with the word depression, which triggers everybody, like let, why don't I do it covertly? So for example, we're used to talking about this in a certain way there. And, and so, like you said, nobody's going on Google and being like, I'm depressed. <laughs> I'm depressed. I need a depression coach. They're going on to Google and being like, what are my closest therapists? Or what should I do if I'm depressed? Things like that. And so what I'm thinking about into 2023 is like, how do I take the way that we're talking about this now, like the status quo and using the way that, you know, my, my would-be audience or my would-be clients are talking about these things or thinking about them and demonstrating things in a different way. So for practically speaking, this is like, okay, let me use the the keywords of depression help. Like if you were to Google help with my depression, I use these keywords to, you know, put them into my marketing so that you can find them. But then what you discover is something completely different than what you expected. That's obviously not going to be like a an overnight haul, you know, like I'm not going to be able to be number one on Google searches for depression, like overnight, but that is something that I've considered. So that's not something that I'm doing right now. My strategy for, you know, getting the word out there really is just being present as often as I can. You know, I, I'm not accepting this narrative that I'm going to be here forever. You know, maybe you are, you're the loved one who's like, I think this could happen for you, but your loved one who's experienced depression is not there yet. How do I support you as a person who supports them to help them get there? But that's like, lots of macro 
Yeah, but I think it all boils down to just talking about it as much as you can and as loud as you can and just having that consistency of message, right? That this is here, uh, this is who I'm talking to and this is what I'm doing for you. So I think over a period of time, like you said, it might be a slow burn, but eventually people will start identifying you with this whole different movement around mental health. And uh, I, I think you will become the number one search on Google <laughs> in, a, in, a, in a short period of time, for sure. So this has been amazing. I just want to ask one last question, which is you mentioned that the weird thing about you was that you're a hoarder of books, which I don't think is very weird because a lot of us are hoarder of books. But I think if you meet a fellow hoarder of book, the one question that you must ask them is what are the three books that you feel that everyone should read? Okay, so that's hard because you were, you're limiting me to three. <laughs> <laughs> so, and so I guess without really like going into and analyzing why these might be the three, these are the ones that are kind of coming to mind for me. Um, number one, a book that I found very influential my um my thinking behind this question is like books that I would recommend to my audience, like basically people who are trying to think about how how can they get rid of depression forever um if they don't want to hire me, for example. the one of the books that was very influential in this sort of pivot was uh, this book by Dr. Martin Seligman. It's called Learned Optimism. And it is a fantastic book. Like actually, if you're if you're interested at all in the human mind, the ability for the for the being to change, even despite, you know, the realistic circumstances, it's a great book. I mean, it's heavy on the research. I'm into books like that. So if you don't like reading about statistics, if you don't read like reading about the details of how a, a research project was set up, it's probably not for you but it's a really great book about that. I would say anything by Brene Brown is really fantastic. I found, so one of the book, first books that I read by her was, I thought it was just me, but it isn't. It's actually not her best book at all. Like her best book. Yeah, I haven't really heard people talk about that book a lot. Yeah, I mean, it's her, I think it was her, one of her first ones. It was like early on her, on her shame research career. Certainly, like, I think the one she's famous for, or one of the ones she's famous for is like Daring Greatly was a really great read as well. But I I thought it was just me, but it isn't, was like something that gave me a bit of permission and it gave me some insight into the behaviors that I thought were just normal. Every person does this, but was really bound by certain um, experiences that I had in my in my childhood and in my, in my upbringing that had me, it might kind of like led me down this like other path that led to other things, which is why I mentioned that. The other one, so there's this book by uh, Yuval Noah Harari called Sapiens. And this is because, so I really, you know, I'm a philosopher at heart. <laughs> you know, I like to think about the the big picture. I like to think about like, I, I consider myself one or as part of the timeline of humanity. So Sapiens is a book about basically early humanoids, early humans, or like, you know, when Neander Neanderthals evolved into humans or homo sapiens. And he talks a lot about like, 
certain changes in our history that contributed to the way that we are today, which I found fascinating and such a great way to think about, like, not just, you know, it's easy for us to be like, we are in the internet age and, you know, who knows, and to pontificate about like, wow, how crazy, you know, flying spaceships will be or whatever. But reading that book actually made me think very deeply about what is my role in the evolution of our humanity? Like, you know, what, what is, what is the contribution I want to make? Even though, you know, I'm not saying I want to be the one that ends up in, you know, Yuval Harari's book in, you know, a hundred years or whatever, but it's more so like, what is the world that I want to contribute to? That's what looking at ancient civilization actually helps me to do. So those are the three. I love them. All of them. I think each one of them is a unique perspective in its own. And uh, I think I love them. I'm definitely, I've never heard of the book by Brené Brown, by the way, that the one that you mentioned. But, so I'm definitely going to put that on my list as well. So this has been amazing. It's full of gold nuggets. I think anyone listening to this would definitely be, should be taking notes if they're not already doing that. And I think you are such an amazing embodiment of what standing up for your message means and for just being really, you know, focused in helping those who are ready for you right now and creating that change at fundamental level and everything that entails all the inner work, all the self-partnership that you have talked about, which I think everyone should take on board. So I'm so grateful that you came on the podcast today and talked to us about all of these amazing things. Where can people find more about you and what's going on in your world right now that if they want to work with you, they can take part in that? Yeah, thank you. So you can find me on my website, the theprofessionalbadass.com. I'm also on Instagram, the professional badass LLC. So apparently there are a lot of people who name themselves the professional badass. I am not original in that, in that respect. So everywhere on social, so Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn, you should be able to find me as the professional badass LLC. Right now, I am just about to start writing a book, right? Like part of the changing the course of our conversation, I think is, is also like I said, some things our society feels is necessary to add legitimacy, quote unquote, into the message or into the into whatever you have to say. And so, fine, I'm going to play that game. <laughs> um, I just so ha- also happen to love to write, too. So it's it's not as big of a deal. I am taking one to one clients at this point. I have a very limited capacity. I think, you know, you know this. Swapna, but like, you know, working with such high emotional, just such high stakes in this particular world, it can take a lot of energy. And so I have very limited one-to-one spots, but I have a uh, membership platform that I don't necessarily market a lot, but it is a, a membership platform where folks can get monthly group coaching with me and, and my clients and it has an amazing name as well, the Badass Arsenal, which I love. <laughs> yes, the Badass Arsenal. Uh, lots of tools in there. I also do like one-off VIP sessions. I also sell single sessions, although I don't necessarily recommend that, if you, especially if you are experiencing depression. So lots of different ways to work with me. But honestly, I would be so overjoyed if 
you know, anyone who heard this just wanted to connect, totally open to that. And so hit me up. And we'll have all of those links in the uh, show description. So definitely connect with Christina there. So once again, Christina, thank you so much for coming on the pod today and talking about um, all of these things, which I, again, feel like people should be taking notes and they should be using these things in their business and their marketing because um, you walked the talk, right? And you've shown exactly how to do these things. So yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. That's the episode for today. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I am thrilled to have you as part of the Brave Marketing community. Because this podcast is still brand new, it would mean so much to me if you could leave a five-star review as that will make it easy for other brave hearts to find this podcast and grow our community of rule breakers. Until next time, have a brave week ahead.